Hello and welcome back to Bloomberg Crypto. My name is James Gordon. This video is for the 4th of April 2020. Going to be looking at some Bitcoin technical analysis and some tricky news from the past couple of days. Some very interesting things have been happening. However, if you are new to the channel, don't forget to subscribe. Hit that notification bell as well if you're on YouTube. And if you aren't new or if you are new as well, go to bloombear.com forward slash insider because you'll join my email list and you'll get exclusive inside updates about when things are happening on the channel and some exclusive goodies as well. But first and foremost, let's take a look at Bitcoin. So I've been posting ideas on TradingView. My name on TradingView is Bloombear Crypto. Um, no ampersand, just a regular spelled out and. Um, but I started on the first of this month and I've been hesitant, hesitant to do it just because um, doing it previously, like a couple of years ago on the platform, it wasn't very intuitive for me personally. So I struggled to do it. I still find it a bit tricky just because of all the things that's related to this channel, that's just one more thing I would have had to do. And there's quite a bit to do, obviously. Um, but I've been talking about a position I'm currently in. I'm currently short on Bitcoin in the immediate future in the short term, basically expecting the price to drop. I posted some ideas here, charts and how it could be negated. But ultimately, we've had a little bit of a high at the 7,292 7, USD mark. Okay, so this would be part of phase C of the Wickoff schematic number distribution schematic number one utad so expecting two more lower highs coming up and then a price drop okay or a couple more lower highs coming up and the price drop okay so let's click play and see how this played out and we've got a lower high forming and a bit of sideways action after that so after we had a bit of a set off as well a bit of a bounce and uh, for the sell side action. But ultimately, I've, I've detailed my thoughts here in this post on TradingView. I gave some examples of what could potentially negate it, and it's ultimately be just a break of that, that level. You can see here, so if we take a look at this, basically we can see what would happen if price would be riding upwards and move from the 6,728 USD mark uh, above the 7K and off just the most recent high. Very straightforward stuff, but didn't play out like that, which means this UTAD is still in play. And I mentioned how uh, a potential to actually scale into a short position, um, given the current um, current confirmation of the, of the UTAD playing out. So if we click play here, we can see that um, a short entry would be scaling in from 6,730 US dollars towards the most recent high which would be 69 so 6900 usd um that's let's see what percentage different that that difference that is actually just to be fair that's a 2.39 percent percentage difference i'd personally place my stop loss um at the second at the first lower high from the most recent, so that'd be around the $7,069 mark. But currently price, uh, the market price is at 6795 So we're in that range. Trade is still active. 
if you get stopped out, so if I get stopped out, that's absolutely fine. It's part of the plan. That's what stop losses are for. But I zoomed out as well, and I thought it'd be worth taking a look at the macro perspective as well. So on the daily time frame, what we can see is a bit of a odd-looking bullish pennant uh, shaping with potential for a run or a move to approximately the $8,000 mark. There's resistance on the way there. If it were to happen, most state, most uh, most uh, initial resistance would be at the 7,500 USD mark. And let's just check that with volume profile as well. We can't because we're looking at uh, charts that have been placed on the profile as an idea. But we've had support in this area and resistance in this area, so it makes sense to be resistance in the future. So if we do have a bullish break of this pennant, what seems independent, then we would um, break to the $7,583 approximately. But what's very interesting is um, this whole pattern could be considered a dead cat bounce. We have, we're basically in a, you know, a black swan event where there's this, you know, sell side price action, but ultimately price action has been dropping, dropping, dropping for quite a considerable amount of time. We've been seeing it, we've been seeing um, a lot of seller, sell side pressure. And take a look at this pennant. Yes, we do have, uh, this move here from uh, 5,800 to the top of this pennant, which is most uh, recent high, which is 7,200. If we just purely look at the candles of this pennant, it's extremely wicky. There's so many wicks uh, in this pennant, which isn't it's not it's not uncommon, but it's not typical of a bullish pennant. We wouldn't expect to see such long upper wicks in a bullish pennant. In fact. We're more likely to see is the close of these candles being relatively high because there's so much bullish pressure. Now this would be signaling to us that ultimately, yes, there's a bullish pattern forming on the daily time frame, relatively weak. And if you look at the broader economy, who would be buying Bitcoin right now? Who would be pumping Bitcoin other than whales? Uh, if we have retail retail traders jumping on, which is what would happen, whales would push the price, retail traders would jump on, price would ride, and then the whales would sell uh, to the retail traders. Um, what we're likely to see is that not happening, just because um, most people are trying to stay relatively cash rich at the moment. Um, if we look at the again, the markets in the downtrend, that that just would be much harder before we establish a proper um, proper low from from this move, which we we somewhat have done, but it's not it's not. It's not very um because because of this candle on the twentieth of March, it's tricky because it signals complete indecision in the market, and we're seeing it abs again. We're I'd say we're at a fifty-fifty split right now. Really, the market could go either way. So there's a few different ways you can play this. You can either play out on the short time frame um, this uh, wick off distribution pattern, which is absolutely fine. I'm playing it at the moment. Um, if it if I get stopped out, then I will kind of look back and kind of reassess. But also you could just pay this, play this pennant like a pennant. Um, if it breaks bearish, if it breaks to the downside, then you can make an entry once it does break. So they get a confirmation of that movement. If it breaks to the bullish, breaks the upside, then you make an entry and you just get confirmation of that movement. So either way, you know, you're moving, you're, you're placing your trade based on where you're expecting this pattern to break out. So if that's the, that's two ways to, to look at it ultimately. But um, I'm, I'm currently sure for full disclosure, um, I do give my reasoning in the post. So if you would like to follow me on TradingView, feel free. 
Um, I will be posting purely Bitcoin technical analysis from the crypto space. I will be probably looking at some traditional markets as well, traditional equities um, and some oil and gold and precious metals um, because I do trade those as well. But it's mostly going to be Bitcoin. I won't be posting any altcoins on there just because um, that's probably going to that not that's not probably it will be on Patreon and private Slack group and on the email list. So if you would like to get that, it's bloombear.com forward slash insider. So that's my thoughts. Patterns yet to be negated. Let's see how this will play out in the next coming days. So moving on to the news from the past 24 hours plus. So oh, this, this article didn't load properly, but I found this very interesting. So dark web marketplace bans vendors selling fake COVID-19 vaccines for Bitcoin. So the one thing I will say is dark web marketplaces have a role to play. There's, there is a black market that exists in every single economy, in a broad economy, micro economies. It's, it's not people are going to find a way to sell things to people that want to buy them that aren't, aren't typically legal. Now, dark web marketplaces don't only have illegal things on there, but they do have um, things on there that people wouldn't typically like to buy publicly without privacy some would say. I'm not saying that Bitcoin's private because it's not private by default. There are ways to obfuscate your uh, Bitcoin spending if you like. For example, you could use a CoinJoin or what was also known as a Tumble service. Tumble service, they still exist, but that might be a bit old. Um, but um, there are ways to make your Bitcoin transactions private. However, um, on this, on this uh, marketplace, um, it very interesting that they were banning COVID-19 vaccines. Obviously, this is a very trying time for many people. A vaccine does not exist. This would be completely taking advantage of people. It would be very interesting to see who would actually buy these vaccines, but it would clearly be people that were desperate. But I wouldn't think people that were using a marketplace would be, I would assume they'd have some technical knowledge because they'd have to um, hide their identity in terms of from their IP, uh, from their from their ISP, um, hide what they're doing from their ISP, um, probably with a VPN or through Tor, probably both. Um, and just being able to find these marketplaces. I, I'm out of touch, so I wouldn't know where to find these marketplaces. I was first introduced them to them, um, you know, when one of my friends was using, you know, introducing me to Bitcoin again. Um, but one of my friends was um, using one of these marketplaces. Like, how do you even get on there? You have to show me because it's really weird. And I have a bit of a um, bit of a nerdy background, computer science background. So just learning how these these things works and how to get access. I was very much in line with my. I, when I say computer science, it's more like um, hacker uh, approach when I was much younger. So very interesting to me but i like the fact that one you can have a market like this where there are vaccines supposedly being um uh sold and then have it banned by uh banned by the uh the marketplace itself so that's pretty good because it shows that as a group as a whole these people whoever's using the marketplace obviously know that it's bullshit and that you know it shouldn't be sold in there. So it's interesting, it's interesting. Libertarian would probably find that more interesting. Um, anyway, moving on. So top crypto exchanges, token issuers named in Friday barrage of US class action lawsuits. So 
A coordinated series of lawsuits filed in New York Federal Court on Friday alleges securities laws violations against token, numerous token issuers and crypto exchanges. Lawsuits filed by the same firm that represents plaintiffs in litigation against Craig Wright, aka Fake Satoshi, and Bitfinex say that numerous tokens were in fact unregistered securities that uh, issuers violated registrations requirements that the token exchanges violated exchange and broker dealer registration requirements. So this is the kind of fallout we were expecting from many of the basically the ICO mania a few years ago and it's only just starting to kind of kick in but what's, what's really interesting is who's on this list so let's talk about it so 11 new putative class actions were filed on April 3rd by the Rush Friedman law firm in the Southern District of New York they separately named Binance, Civic, B Protocol never heard of, Status, Block One, Kdex never heard of, Quantstamp, Buybox, Tron Foundation, KuCoin, HDR Global Trading, and many of their principals, including crypto notables such as Brendan Bloomer, Dan Larimer, and Billy Lingham, and Binance founder and Chao Peng Zhao. What's funny is these people are basically location independent. No one knows where most of these people live. No one knows how to reach them. No one knows what country they reside in. No one knows where, where, where is Binance's offices? Tell me. Where they where they register that because nobody knows they're meant to be registered in your in a I think Gibraltar that turned out to be in fact uh, a bunch of uh, fui um, so you know Binance's company who knows um, and it's probably the same for a lot of these cryptocurrency companies so very interesting stuff um, good luck actually having any negative consequences for for a lot of these people considering just jurisdiction um maybe they might make it difficult for these people's lives in terms of or these companies lives in terms of operating their business in new york let alone uh you know the rest of the united states but we'll see um money money speaks so ultimately you know i'm sure they'll find a way by any of this happening but it's very interesting who is on that list um moving on so this, this was a bit of a no-brainer, but it just goes to show um, convenience often is going to trump, is, oft, is, is often going to make a big difference in, in, this, in this coming space, in the, you know, in the space's growth. So Coinbase custody is the biggest Tesla staking service despite charging higher fees. So if you're unaware of, of what Tezos is, it's a cryptocurrency where it has staking, you can earn more Tezos through baking Tezzies. I think it's, I think they're called Tezzies. Um and exchanges because they have a lot of users that hold crypto on those exchanges for trading also stake Tezos and um, Coinbase takes a fee from that. So does Binance. Um, some um, staking pools will provide you much higher gains compared to these exchanges, but. It's, Tezos is kind of a no brainer for me in terms of a long term hold. Not because I, not because of what the project's trying to achieve, um, not because there's a solid team, not because of the technology being revolutionary. It's because that these exchanges, it's because it's a top, it's a top-ranked cryptocurrency that's a staking crypto that has enough of a, of a you could argue it's monetary policy, but it's not really. It's, just, it's it's economic incentives, in built into the crypto, so that exchanges are going to be staking Tezos. That, help, that helps with price stability, that helps with creating a bottom, that helps generate 
um, new users and onboard new, new users onto firstly Coinbase, also the altcoin space. Um, just because if people start hearing there's a cryptocurrency where you can earn interest just for holding it on an exchange that is your first gateway into the crypto space, they're going to grab it, they're going to buy it. Now, with DeFi opening up on Coinbase, we're likely to see more of the same. And we're likely to see this happening with, you know, stable coins on Coinbase. And that's really going to revolutionize uh, this space and what its potential can be, provided we don't have things like flash loans happening on, you know, on these exchanges. Because ultimately, it means that we have a, a really viable alternative to a savings account that, you know, if you look at what's happening in the broader economy, um, we're going to 0% interest rates or lower. Retail banks aren't going to be passing on any kind of difference in case in, if their central bank has a 0.1% or 0.25% or um, uh, interest rate. They're going to be passing on that, that to their customers. And they'll most likely just give them a 0.001% interest rate, which is next to nothing. We've already seen that in the States, seen that in, in Germany, seen that in other countries. So, you know, the, it's, it's, it's all a race to the bottom. This alternative economy, this alternative system, financial system that is being built and alongside the existing one is going to pro provide these alternatives. Don't forget Coinbase is insured. So, um, you know, it's debatable. I'd say Coinbase having a issue with... Um, having an issue in terms of default being having defaulting if there's an issue for example needs to use their insurance is is much more likely to have that insurance paid in full to every single person that uses their exchange versus a central bank or a retail bank because the amount of money needed to support a retail bank sorry not a central bank a retail bank is so vast because there's so many people that are just already involved in that compared to this space which is tiny absolutely tiny so um, I'd say your money is probably more safe if let's assume Coinbase was to completely default um, and they'd have to use insurance um, I'd say your money is more safe in Coinbase if that were to happen than if, if it were to happen in, with all the banks and they had to use their insurance because what would have to have, have to happen in that instance is the Federal Reserve or Central Bank whoever it is they'd have to print so much money to to pay for the insurance because that's ultimately what would happen uh in a roundabout way it wouldn't be directly but it would ha have to happen in a roundabout way devalue the currency etc 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 so um my main point with this article was that despite the fact that people aren't making the most from their tezos they're still keeping it on coinbase because it's just convenient it's more easy for them so again coinbase is coinbase is gonna onboard a lot of people I can see the same thing happening with the Cash App. It is an inevitability that the Cash App will start uh, providing alternatives to to Bitcoin, altcoins. It's inevitable. Cash App this year onboarded more people than ever in terms of uh, p exposed more people to Bitcoin than any other uh, crypto app. And it is a cryptocurrency app because you can sell and buy Bitcoin in it. So. Thank you, Jack Dorsey. Um, but this is huge. This is huge. So I'm sure we'll see similar services, you know, developing on other exchanges, uh, the major exchanges, um, the ones that have custody in mind as well, not just um, not just uh, not just as a purely trading and trading platform. Okay, moving on to the next piece of news. 
Binance Crypto Exchange teases Bitcoin options trading feature. So it's so odd that this piece of news came out because last week I was looking at different ways to, I was looking at options trading for Bitcoin um, because one of my friends, he is is a, is a relatively successful at options trading. And I'm talking about um, trading really low timeframes. I saw, I, he showed me in about space of half an hour making, pardon me, 23% gain just trading options on Bitcoin. So it's interesting. There's very high risk to it. His strategy is one that would require learning. Um, it's not it's not typical technical analysis. He uses, uh, uses heat maps, uses um, the lower time frames, and it's all about momentum. And um, he does, it's, it's, you know, he does have, he does use technical analysis to kind of look at the broader aspects of the market um, and zooming out and having a good idea of where things are likely to go. But realistically speaking, he's only trading for, you know, a half hour period. And um, he does that a few times a day. So you can just imagine the gains he's making. Um, he's doing much better than me, which is great. Um, so there's obviously stuff to learn from him. But seeing Binance create, op you know, when largest exchanges provide options trading, that's that's big and it is a derivative. Um, obviously, because it's not going to be spot price, spot price BTC, it's not possible. But um, this is an alternative. So if that's coming, fantastic. I think it's good for the space overall. Moving on. So could quantum computing be used to craft crypto, cryptocurrency? The answer is yes. Um, and I've mentioned it before. However, what I've seen from Bitcoin developers is a and actually from you know from satoshi nakamoto himself on uh, the bitcoin talk forums back in the day i didn't even realize this was already covered uh, in the bitcoin talk forums and the solution to this is if the bitcoin network is cracked by quantum computing as a as a as a whole all the people securing the integrity of the network, now that includes exchanges, that includes miners, and that includes retail, that includes developers, would all agree of a time period of the last block before the crack were to happen, okay? And then uh, take a snapshot of the blockchain before that period and upgrade the network so it's quantum resistant and then move forward. I didn't know that. Well, I was, because I was saying um, about a year ago, a year and a half ago, that you know quantum computing is a huge threat to Bitcoin, is a huge threat to cryptocurrency space, um, because what's likely to happen is a Microsoft will create a quantum computer, and there'll be some technician in the lab that'll be like, "Oh, let me test this out. Let, I'll take home a test test uh, test machine." You know, they'll say they all get test machines because they get to fiddle with it and play with it. Um, before it's released to the public and then one of them will just be like, okay, let me just try and crack 256 SHA encryption and they do that. And that basically means that the, the encryption that's used for the Bitcoin network is no longer useful. Also just broadly encryption in, you know, uh, used on most things, for example, like WhatsApp, Signal, um, I think the, I think the uh, Department of Defense uses it. Um, I think pretty sure, you know, it's, it's, it's the encryption we use to secure um, encrypted communications. All encrypted communication, most in, in, encrypted communications, is kind of the standard. So, so far, and it would take the current computing power we have it would take 
tens of thousands of years just to break, to, to kind of crack, um, I think that's right, tens of thousands of years to kind of crack the current encryption with one computer for one particular thing. So it's not practical to do it. So the computer power just isn't there. So if quantum computing does come, and apparently, you know, Bill Gates mentioned recently, it's a couple of years away. I thought, I, a few years ago, I thought it'd be like five years away. It's apparently shorter, but you know, they said the same about graphene. You know, if you're aware of what graphene is, it's a, it's a material. A very, very durable, uh, uh, malleable material. Um, but it's been, you know, 10, 15, 20 years since it's actually meant to be released in this, in any kind of real usable way. And it only now is starting to come into the market. So we shall see. But um, that's not the same thing compared to circuit boards and technology. Um, Moore's law, I think it is, um, states that you know computer uh, chips and power. Um, will get smaller and stronger um, over time at a particular rate. I think it's every four years or something um, or less. Um, so, you know, we'll see. But we do have that kind of insurance in place where we have a group consensus or where we know in the history of the blockchain where, where, where you know, this, this didn't happen and we can take a snapshot and then move forward once the blockchain's kind of secured again. If it happens to the Bitcoin blockchain, believe me, it's happening to every other single one except probably Quantstamp because that's meant to be quantum resistant, I believe, or quantum resistant blockchain as well. I think that's another one. A few of them are trying to be quantum resistant. But, you know, the great thing about this space is that if they exist, if they're quantum resistant, then Bitcoin is probably just going to use their encryption mechanisms to, uh, to uh, you know, um, to secure the network in the future. So, so. It's finally happening. Swift challenges Ripple, Visa, and fintech startups develop instant payment system for small to medium-sized enterprises. When you start seeing this, when you start seeing the Swift network and the other networks um, and the fast payment networks, for example, uh, starting to release challenger networks to Ripple um, and Visa and the rest, I mean, what's Ripple's USP as a, as a, as a product? Because, you know, MoneyGram, I mean, Ripple offered XRP token as incentive to use their network, paid, them paid MoneyGram 13 million. And the idea was that MoneyGram would use the token on the network because it'd be a faster means of sending money on the network. Instead, they just sold the Ripple. And that's probably the really smart move because it would have, would have, it would have decreased in value over time. I think it has since they, since they sent them payment. But, I mean, it's just an example that. Ripple is, uh, you know, I'm sure that I'm sure these people have great intentions, but realistically speaking, you know, it was only a matter of time before you know these existing systems would have started to provide you know alternatives or challenges. And bear in mind, this they're already established. They're already established. The Swift network is already established. It's already not the best network, to be fair. <laughs> um, but it doesn't take much to convince their clients, oh, we have this other faster network, we're going to upgrade you um, if you use it. Yeah, and here's, here's how you, or, or you know, here's, here's the fees, here's the speed, et cetera, et cetera. It's much cheaper, much faster. Um, why would you use Ripple when you can just use our other network? This makes more sense. So um, I'm not saying the Ripple project is going to die by any means. I'm sure it's going to still coexist. There's enough room in this in the in the world for swift and ripple to both exist 
there's no one network to rule them all. And we know that because we have the uh, foreign transfer network, we have fast payments, we have SWIFT, we have a bunch of networks, but um, foreign payments network. But um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's not it's not the best for Ripple. Um, moving on to the next last piece of news. So Wall Street's top crypto bets outperformed S&P 500 during the market crash. Okay, so there's two things that contribute to that. One, um, Bitcoin, um, Wall Street's very strong chance that they were manipulating the market because the institutional investors are, institutional money is already here. It's been here for years. Um, I, I remember a lawyer um, that works with these firms and in the crypto space um, said like six, no, not six years ago, like four years, three years ago, three years ago, um, that institutional money is already here. They've been here for a long time. And uh, I was like, okay, that makes sense. And why wouldn't they be? Um, just not just not as openly or for their clients, but they're here, it's here. Um, but, um, but two things I'd say contribute to this. And that's one, uh, expertise, because these people, you know, it's their job to play the markets. Um, from a which way is the market going to go perspective, but also from a from a let's move the market perspective. So, um, you know, S&P is less volatile than the crypto space, generally speaking. Um, and there have been times where S&P has been, you know, some of these, some of the stocks from the S&P has been more volatile as well. For example, Boeing was up 100% over the course of a few days. So if you got in on, on that trade, fantastic. And the crypto wasn't doing, wasn't moving 100%, at least with any coin that you would typically, you know, see. Um, you know, we've got like 300, 400 coins that that have enough liquidity to really trade. Um, and they would have moved, you know, there's only be a handful that would move that much over the course of a period of a few days. So, you know, um, it's, a, it's a it's a no-brainer why that Wall Street didn't, you know, outperformed. Uh, S&P 500 by trading cryptos. Okay, interesting thing as well. So Bitcoin trading into USDT tripled in March as USDC packs surge too. Okay, what was this saying? People are basically moving from Bitcoin to cash because they think it's a safer bet. Straightforward stuff. We have the Black Swan event. We have the you know the, the economies. You know uh, we have the sell off in the in the broader markets. So of course it's going to affect uh, these markets because people need their cash. Um, people need to preserve their equity, so of course they're going to sell Bitcoin um, and they're going to move it into Tether, it seems. So um, what's this saying, though? There's a lot of money on the sidelines that hasn't actually left the space, because bear in mind, just because it's sitting in a stable coin doesn't mean it's, um, it's left the space. It hasn't. Stable coin isn't fiat, and even fiat on an exchange hasn't left the space. When, it's, when the money's sitting on an exchange, it's it's still you know it's only a few clicks away from someone you know buying crypto buying some buying you know uh, placing an order so what's that saying well the market's probably going to significantly move when there's decent upside confirmed from traditional markets um, and when that does happen it's going to be it's probably going to be quite significant as well um, so we need to find bottom in traditional markets first and then crypto is probably going to do really well really really well type of stuff we'd expect to see from the halvening event kind of well so that's something to bear in mind most people are probably going to be really risk adverse most people have probably have been relatively burnt from the stock market crashing especially if they're holding most of their assets in crypto um, 
but the same people that are keeping the crypto on the exchanges are just looking for an entry to looking for confirmation looking for a time to move back into the market um, and hold some spot btc or altcoins um, and that's again that's going to be happening when traditional markets bottom truly bottom that could be a while but um once we see that and then I'd say we're probably going to see some parabolic movements or not a parabolic move, but just some, a proper rally, a really nice rally. Uh, last piece of news, which I just had to touch upon. Crypto community largely approves of Binance acquiring CoinMarketCap. So I disagree with this because everything I read online was completely the opposite. And that was after I formed my own opinion. And my own opinion was why I understand Binance are buying that because they want to expand their business. But why would anyone approve of this if they use CoinMarketCap? as an end user, because it just means in terms of a Chinese Communist Party, you know, company or related company, it's very, I mean, it's very hard to, it's, it's, it's very hard to judge companies in China without having perspective on the, the political situation in China and understand that there is a certain influence the government has over decisions made by these companies in China. And for us that are influenced and are affected by these decisions, it's really key to understand, you know, understand where this information is coming from. So if you're getting your information from CoinMarketCap, there is a chance, there's more now that if it's owned by Binance, there's more of a chance that the information could potentially be um, false. So, that's one aspect to it. The second aspect to it is just even if it wasn't a uh, you know a Chinese company, say it was Coinbase that was buying CoinMarketCap, it's still a problem in terms of information being biased towards things favoring Coinbase, for example, exchange volume. Um, so you know if you want to crush your competition, which is ultimately what these companies have to do to to well that's that's debatable, but. Um, you know, one could argue that the space is a growing space and there's enough room for everyone, but realistically speaking, we work in a world of limited resources. Um, so, you know, these companies need to need to continually deliver and that only happens from acquiring uh, market new market share or market share from existing competition. So, um, you know, if this was a Coinbase to do this, for example, to acquire CoinMarketCap, this would still be an issue because why wouldn't they just do things that favor them to in, in terms of you know dominating the market in terms of compared to other other exchanges you know say there's a new exchange in the block that's doing really well that's capturing market share. why wouldn't they just a take a really long time in, in terms of listing their coins on coin market cap on that new exchange not many people would really notice maybe that exchange would would, would you know have an issue with coin market cap um, and you know most people probably wouldn't care and it would kind of kill that, kill that exchange's business. So it will take a long time for the exchange to grow. Who is it negatively impact us? So saying the crypto community largely approves of Binance acquiring CoinMarketCap, I can't, I don't understand who wrote this article because I haven't seen anyone speak positively of this in a in a significant way. I've seen people say this is probably a good thing, but you know, absolute power corrupts absolutely. So you know, this isn't the best for the space, um, for the end for the, for us. But what are you going to do? Again, money talks. But that's it for today's video, guys. All I'm going to say is thank you.
so much for watching, listening, consuming this content wherever you do. Again, don't forget to go to bullandbear.com forward slash insider um, for exclusive email updates. You can take a look at um, my Twitter as well. I have two Twitter accounts. Uh, one is underscore, underscore sorry, bull bear crypto. That's kind of a news account. And I have my personal account that I converted um, into the bull and bear crypto account, one of my personal accounts, which is underscore bull and bear. Um, and I'm going to try and post mostly Bitcoin technical analysis on that um, just because it keeps a nice clean feed and um, it means that I can have a Twitter account without um, any any annoyances. So what else can I promote for you guys? Um, I say I'm promoting your health. So stay healthy during this time. Um, wear a mask if you can um, and just look after yourselves. Um, and I'll see you in the next video. Wish you guys all the best.